With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your mom's favorite Ohio State news source on the internet uh and, and also your family members and your bosses and everyone else in your life that you happen to think highly of uh i am your host matt brown i am the lead the uh, one of the college league managers for Nation. i'm also the managing editor of this here website uh we are recording this show here in the afternoon on monday december 19th we're, we're wrapping up the work days until christmas break until 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 the holidays and and, and I, can, I can already tell you right now from our office i would say it's already 40 percent empty and by tomorrow i there's going to be like six people here because now is the time of year that everybody flies wherever they're going for the holidays whether that's home whether that's hopefully some somewhere much warmer and everyone's just kind of checking twitter which is what we're doing right now colton are you going anywhere for, for the holidays? No, I am staying right here in Boulder, Colorado. It is, uh, it's thankfully warmer out here now this weekend, it's supposed to be on Christmas than it was earlier uh, last weekend than the weekend. It was negative six out here, man. I don't know how cold it was out there, but uh, it was pretty chilly out here in the uh, Midwest. Yeah, that's that's awful. Well, many of my colleagues are going to places like Florida uh, or, you know, from families that had the good sense to, um, you know, to, to be from, <laughs> from somewhere warmer or, or vacation somewhere warmer. In a couple of days, I'm flying to Chicago to go to have Christmas with my in-laws and uh, see some of my old friends here. And uh, the headline that I'm looking at on Twitter, and this might be fake news, but when I lived in Chicago, this was a thing as well. It's currently colder in Chicago than it is literally on the face of Mars. That shouldn't be a thing. No, like I, I remember this, man. When I lived there and I would walk like two blocks away from my house to go to like Aldi and like my nose hairs would instantly freeze. Like, this is what Hoth must have been like. Uh, so that's where I'm going to be spending my Christmas. And that's okay, though, because my, my in-laws are going to be there, which means I'm going to have built-in babysitters, which means that my wife and I might go on an actual date for, like, the first time in, like since before football started. Where, 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 where we can actually go if it's Hoth degrees outside, I don't know. But it'll be nice to be uh, be away a little bit. What would be the equivalent of cutting a tauntaun open in Chicago? <laughs> like, if, if you and your wife get stranded, what do you – I mean, I, hopefully no humans. I wouldn't want you guys no. to – be arrested for murder while you're out there, but <laughs> they don't. Really hopefully, do that you, you won't have to go the, the Luke the Luke Skywalker route mm. and, uh, to stay warm. Up. Maybe maybe an abandoned L car. Uh, I mean, people do kind of hide in the subway when it's when it's that cold. We don't really have animals anymore. Like the the true Chicago way of handling the cold is to f- uh, get like a twelve pack of old style and some encased meats and just get so fat that you have the insulation you need to survive the harsh winter and that is what i intend to do because um i mean not not, not so much the old style but am i going to eat a lot of encased meats and a lot of christmas treats and not do a whole lot of exercise during that week 
Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, staying on brand for the Big Ten and, and keeping it very, a very Jim Delaney Christmas. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like it, it's uh, look. I'm a son of the Midwest. No matter where, even though I, I live in Maryland and I've lived elsewhere, I could I could still appreciate the the fine Germanic rooted cuisine of of the motherland. Um, there's not a whole lot of of straight news stories to, to talk about right now. We're so, we we have a little bit about Ohio State basketball. We can talk a little bit here about college football. Um, before we we dig into the, the 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 big news that's happened though, I want to let me ask you a question. Colton, when you were a kid, did you ever participate in like a Christmas pageant or like a Christmas play or something at school where you had to like sing a bunch of songs? Was that was that ever a thing? Uh, not that I can remember. Um, you know, my only activities really on Christmas, I come from a really big family. My dad has 12 brothers and sisters. 12. And 12 of them. That's a that's an entire basketball roster. And a half brother as well, wow. too. So there's 13 total. And our thing was, because he has, he's one of seven brothers. And the younger generation, the, there's a lot of males. And so we would always spend Christmas playing football. And so that was kind of always our thing. And that's what Christmas has always been reserved for, is the uh, the family football game and the ensuing fights that break out and the uh, the fractured relationships that come from the game. I mean, that That is, is essentially <laughs> what I think Thanksgiving in this country is typically built off of we did like our our church congregation would have turkey bowls and then you would see people not talk to each other for two months afterwards because uh mormon athletics are surprisingly brutal but i want i want, I want to talk about a, a, a quick christmas tradition before before we hop into football here so this may not have been a, so much a thing for you but for a lot of, of smaller children, Christmas pageants or these kind of like concerts or whatever are, are kind of a thing. You know, like little kids all get together and they sing some songs and they might do like a little skit or a play. And maybe you did it at church or maybe you did it at elementary school or something. And because my daughter has recently started school or, or you know, quote, daycare, end quote, because she's like two and a half. But they decided to have their they like her classroom decided to have a Christmas pageant and we go and she's my kids was just like just all she's talking about for like two days, um, which is impressive, you know, because she's two. Um, so I heard a lot of renditions of, uh, of Jingle Bells for the last week and a half or so. We get there and she's got like this little construction paper carnation on her head and she's wearing this special Christmas outfit with like, you know, like red tights and she's made a little snowman and she's just beaming, right? And then, so we get in, she's up there with her other like 15 other two-year-olds and all the parents come into this room and they're gonna sing three songs and it's supposed to be like this heartfelt moment to cut through the cynicism and, and crass commercialism of this holiday, especially after a year that's been completely dog shit for nearly everybody and look you want to have this moment of singing children to remind you that there's still magic in this world and cut through all of that right like that's that's what that's what i'm hoping for I and mean, like, oh we take some pictures and then i can embarrass my daughter's boyfriend in 20 years about this moment you know what my kid you know what my kid does she went bluetooth it sounds like it she she went off on her she own. cried the entire time <laughs> like as 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 soon as soon as we we we, we get up in there and, and the first piano note starts singing and she looks and suddenly there's a bunch of other people she doesn't know in the room just starts bawling doesn't stop bawling through the entire presentation and then once it's over and she she wanders over to the toys she's fine the, com <laughs> the, the, the complete the complete majesty you know heartfelt hallmark moment that we were all hoping for completely completely shot to hell and then i of course look like history's greatest monster in front of all of the other uh preschool parents which is the, the, the great shame uh of of our household so 
Santa's not real. God is dead. There is no such thing as Christmas magic. Roll Tide, I think is. That's one of those where, like, in the moment, it's it's terrible and awful. But in you talked about, you know, being able to embarrass your daughter in front of her boyfriend in 15, 20 years. I, I think that that's, that's your thing right there. You, you have that landmark Christmas moment, even if it just all went to shit. It's on, it's on video, too. And... and... Being able to to do that, that embarrassment, I think, is a sacred duty that I would be negligent if I avoided as a father. Uh, Hopefully your parents did that to you, that that they documented those things. Because my my in-laws definitely did that to my wife. And uh, after me being constantly dunked on, I think, during this football season, I'm looking forward to going home and uh, dunking on her for a change. Have you? Okay. So I I don't have many, like, really great Christmas stories, but I I have one. And this definitely paints me as as history's biggest monster, as it should. Good. And, and real quick, pause. We will talk about sports after this. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. Please continue. Have you ever gotten a present that you just either didn't need or just didn't like? I mean, I think we probably all have, but one where you're just like, I, I didn't really ask for that or you, you just didn't like Yeah. It. Yeah, sure. Like most clothes. What was your reaction? Um, I was... I would do my very best to pretend that I was I was thankful, uh, but it, my facial expression would generally just look like somebody farted very close to me. I was I was a bad child. So you managed to handle it, you know, well for the most part. I, on the other hand, had a moment. This was probably I was like seventeen or eighteen, so <laughs> at, at like at like peak asshole okay, years, right, you know, you, you think just out just out of high school, you think you know everything. Um, and and I had asked for a jacket from my mom. And it was a big winter jacket, and I thought, sweet, you know, I don't have anything that's that's keeping me warm in the winter. This is finally going to do the trick. We sit down and open up the presents. I open it. I look at the jacket. I look at my mom, and the 18-year-old in me just went ham, and I threw the jacket down and just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably the worst I have ever felt in my life afterwards, because even then... When, you know, you're 18 years old, like after five minutes of thinking, I was like, oh, wow, I handled that really poorly. And like, of course, I come back downstairs and I love my mom to death. But, you know, she's crying rightfully so like her son's acted like a total jackass. And then I tried to do the thing where I was like, well, you know, I didn't really expect it, but I like it. It's cool. I really like it. (laughs) But it ended it ended up really well because we shipped the jacket back in because like the inner lining of it was just it was like a really nice Columbia you know, like two hundred dollars. Yeah. And but the inside of it was just trash. It wasn't going to keep me warm. So we sent it back in, and they uh, they had sent it back with like a different inside with like that. You know that material that it has like those reflective beads or whatever that keep you warm. Mm-hmm. They sent it. They sent it in with that, and I still have the jacket to this day, and I wear it every winter, and I love it. It's my favorite jacket. So. So all's well that ends well. Yeah, the lesson I'm taking from this is when someone gives you something nice and thoughtful that you don't appreciate, act like a dick, and it will magically turn into something that you love. Yeah, lesson to all the children out yeah. there. Yeah, so speaking of, of, of things that – presents that, that people are given uh, that they are not thankful for, uh, let's very briefly talk about the Sun Bowl here for a minute. Since this is the the hot t- hot take rage topic of the day this afternoon, uh, I know you're getting this a little bit late, but just to TLDR in case you are a responsible human being who doesn't just stare at Twitter all day, don't worry, I do that so you don't have to. Um, Christian McCaffrey of Stanford has announced that he will not play in the Sun Bowl so he can focus on his NFL draft preparation a little bit early and subsequently not risk getting injured in the Sun Bowl. Uh, and I would say most analysts 
on the college football side uh, seem to think that that's fine. And uh, a few people on the NFL side and uh, a couple of more hot take artists seem to think that this is an affront, not just to his teammates, but nay, perhaps the entire bowl system. Uh, do you maybe the most disgusting thing that's happened this year? Matt. Well, uh, yeah, it's 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 def- definitely the worst decision anybody's made in 2016. That 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 goes without saying. Are you are you upset about this? Should anybody be upset about this? Like, what 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 do you think this is a trend? Uh, what what are what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm I'm not upset about it at all. I, I think both of us have always been of the stance that these players should be paid, and that if they want to go get their money and focus on on their their future. I think that they're more than they more than deserve that, and I, I don't think it's a big deal. And I think the one thing on Twitter that kind of got me today is nobody on my timeline really was saying, "Oh, Christian McCaffrey's selfish," blah blah blah. I think before that stuff even started coming out, people were saying, "How can any of you think that McCaffrey's a bad guy for doing this when people like Tom Herman aren't coaching the bowl game?" And I didn't see anybody saying that, so I think it's like a really it's a real big or not big. But but a small minority who like are coming out and vilifying these players for doing this. But I, I don't think it's it's a huge deal. And honestly, like if you're a fan, especially of a program like Stanford or Ohio State or or Notre Dame, because people want to bring up Jalen Smith injuring himself in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Real, I'm sorry, real quick, just to interrupt. Notre Dame, a program that, in case you forgot, is four and eight. Continue. 82 other teams are making a bowl game this year, and Notre Dame is not one of them. But, you know, we we saw this with Ohio State when they played in the Orange Bowl. Everybody really bitched about Von Bell not getting playing time, and he finally did, and everybody was like, oh, man, he's going to be a superstar. And that's where if you're a program like Stanford or Ohio State, if these kids do this, like, okay, you have a chance to give a four-star player or a five-star player meaningful playing time. And we already talked so much about bowl practices and how key they are for these future players. So I think in that sense, if you're Stanford, okay, you just get to showcase some of the other young talent you have at running back. So no, I don't think it's a big deal, and I, I hope it becomes a trend. If these players want to protect their best interests, then then great. If they want to play in the bowl games like Zeke and all the other Ohio State players did, too, that that's great, too. Whatever whatever makes them happy, I think, is okay. I mean, like, uh, yeah, the, my, my reservoir of indignation for things in college football is becoming smaller and smaller, I think, so this isn't, I mean, like, Let's be honest. Were you going to watch the Sumble? No, 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 I, no, probably, no. I mean, like, it's, it's not a terrible football game, Stanford, North Carolina, but I'm probably not going to watch it either. So I don't, I, I can't get mad online about that kind of thing. The 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 the, the sticking point to me, and, and my timeline, I think, resembled yours as well. Wasn't seeing a whole lot of people really getting upset about this, but I don't buy the idea that this is going to be a probable trend. I feel like that you know uh, Leonard Fournette is another example of this, and it may be possible that we'll see a few more of these with running backs on bad teams. Because there's no other real position in college football where your earning potential is at risk that much if you are uh, just participating than a running back. You know, it's not as dangerous if you're a defensive back or uh, a right tackle uh, or even a quarterback necessarily. Um, but the more carries and more hits you're taking as a running back, that that damages your ability. And it's not like there's a ton of guaranteed money out there for people who aren't getting drafted in the first two rounds to begin with. So there it's in your best interest. You're looking at who's somebody who's going to have a potentially really high draft grade and is playing on a team that's like not in a top 10 bowl game. Um, it, it, then those people 
might decide to to leave a little bit early. And, and there'll be a couple other folks who might decide to do that. I think you know, I think Miles Jack did when he was recovering from injury, and and you know some other people who have maybe questionable health situations. But I don't think it's going to be something people are going to want to do en masse. For people, these kids are highly competitive players. They want to win just for winning's sake too. And you have their relationships with their teammates. It's a good thing for. I mean, it's 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 fine for Stanford. You're right. It gives a chance to to focus on next year and and rebuilding a little bit more by not having to worry about feeding carries to a guy who isn't going to be around. Helps McCaffrey get healthy. It's and, and and preserve his money. And hey, if he gets drafted in this first or second round, Stanford's going to be able to use that for recruiting. So it's not like I, I don't think anybody really gets damaged from this. And I certainly don't look at this as being and the imminent collapse of the potential bull system. Yeah, and it, it seems like with Fournette and McCaffrey, it's a lot of it circumstantial too, because both of them came are coming into the bowl games and and ended the season with nagging injuries, and both of them pretty much have been injured all season. So it makes sense that they would just want to step away while they can. Adding into the fact that you mentioned that the running back position is kind of unique in the sense of the earning potential and the wear and tear it puts on your body at college and at the next level. Yeah. I, I I I get it. It's not something I'm gonna be mad about. I'm 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 gonna skip a lot of these bowl games myself. I know some people they wanna watch every single bowl game and they're like, hey, I'm not gonna have football for that much longer. And that's fine. I will never argue with you for that. Uh, I'm in a little bit different situation because, you know, I know this is awful complaining about this job, but by the end of the year, I'm ready for football to be done. Like it's, you know, I, I, when you watch 13 hours of football every weekend and a bunch during the day and it becomes your entire life and everything, and then you're writing a football book at the same time, uh, I like having some weekend flexibility. I like not having to stay up until two o'clock in the morning. And especially because it's the holiday season when I'm usually traveling, I skip a bunch. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, you know, missing football a little bit to help me appreciate it more. Um, have you watched? We've had a, we got a couple of bowl games here in the books, and in a couple of minutes here, when I'm done talking to you, there'll be another one on. Have you watched any of the bowl games yet so far? Yeah, I watched a couple over the weekend, and uh, I think the one that stood out for me was San Diego State in Houston. And we tend to make bowl games bigger than they are, but I, I've seen some of your thoughts on Major Applewhite at Houston, and some others' thoughts, and I have my own, and I, I don't necessarily think things are going to be trending upward for the Houston program with that hire, and their offense was already kind of like secretly trashed this season, and with Greg Ward leaving, and some of the, the new pieces that they're going to have to put into place, I think that that game against San Diego State may have been a precursor to kind of what we're going to see for them. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and it's just one game but I don't have a ton of faith in in Houston going forward so that was kind of the the most interesting game to me over the weekend yeah I I don't want to draw too much too many conclusions from that I feel like my biggest takeaway was less about Houston and more about San Diego State's won 11 games two years in a row and uh with an old coach and not really elite recruiting even for G5 standards and and we've kind of neglected to celebrate that uh it's it's a it's a big accomplishment obviously they're they're losing the bulk of their offense from this season but because of the the front that Rock Long's been able to create their defense has been consistently salty so so congrats to them you know Houston's gonna have a great quarterback next year um I believe if Allen sticks around uh but you know that that margin's really thin It'll look look moving forward in the next two years uh the Cougars are going to face Arizona and Texas Tech uh as their their you know their, their big out of conference games along with the road game at UTSA uh for next season they're not going to get quite as, as much of an opportunity to make an impact as they did against Oklahoma and Louisville but it's you know it's kind of hard to to sustain that sort of uh that sort of thing uh over a long period of time so yeah that was a pretty good game I enjoy I enjoy 
enjoyed watching App State and Toledo. I think those those were two well-matched teams that played a reasonably entertaining good game. Everything else was kind of meh. The Miami Beach Bowl was fun because it's on during the day, and it gives me an excuse to tweet a bunch of gifts of the Boise, of the, uh, the BYU-Memphis fight, which shook me to the very core of my uh, theological and personal identity. Um, actually, that, that's a lot of what Mormon ba- church, church basketball is like. Um, I don't know. Like, there, There's nothing I'm like super pumped for over the next couple of days. Uh, the, the Poinsettia Bowl, like, maybe, but the, the, really, the really big stuff doesn't, come, doesn't kick in for another week or so. Yeah, I feel like we can all kind of just take a breather from all all things college football and kind of prep up for the New Year's Six Bowls and the college football playoff. But And back to San Diego State for a second. It still kind of baffles me and do- doesn't make me upset or anything that you have a guy who breaks the career rushing record of Ron Dane and Donnell Pumphrey. And it seems like this would have been the year looking back at the Heisman results for at least a kid like that to, if not win the Heisman, get a shot and go to New York. So it just kind of felt weird to see him break that record and be reminded that like, oh, he didn't even make it to New York and they won 11 games. You would think that that would be kind of the recipe to to have that situation happen, but for whatever reason, just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, 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 a strange thing. I don't really want to go down the rabbit hole of that, that record. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Jabril Peppers or, or Brock? Dane actually still having oh. the record. We could drop all the hot takes oh, today. Man, I just I, I can't do it. I need I need another Coke before I can. I, I've I've already extinguished all of my anger already. Uh, I'm just tired. Like you, you, if you want me to get like truly mad online, let's, let's wait till after Christmas. I got a couple of days to recharge myself. Uh, you know, do some reading, hang out in the woods for a few days, then I can come back and and get all Alex Jones on this microphone. Screw <laughs> <laughs> peppers in bed with a goblin. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't do it right now. Just not, I'm just not mad enough. Um, the only other big story. I think for our listeners, before we uh, we, we we let everybody go, is, is to talk about Ohio State basketball. They had a uh, another close game against a very very good opponent. Uh, ran out of gas against UCLA. Uh, Ohio State's coaching staff and the players were kind of framing this a little bit as a moral victory, and there was a little bit of hey, uh, we used that used to not be good enough. Is this a sign of the program's expectations fading or anything? Like now that we've had you know a couple of decent okay wins, a terrible loss, some good losses. We're, we're wrapping up with the non-conference schedule at this point for Ohio State basketball. The uh, Buckeyes are currently sitting at 37th in Ken Palm. They're 8-3. and three. They have two more games left, uh, a layup against Youngstown State and uh, a UNC Asheville team that might make them sweat a little bit. They're, they're better than the Florida Atlantic team that beat them in overtime. Has your feeling about this Ohio State basketball team changed at all? Do you think that they're good? Are you panicking? Uh, what, what's your temperature like right now? Well, you know, I think that if you just look at the schedule that they've played so far, and there, there haven't really been many great wins. The UConn win was nice, but, you know, you have losses against number two UCLA and in the first half they they were playing right with them and it out of gas seems like a good term to give that game they just they couldn't hold on against one of the best teams in the country and the the same with Virginia it was kind of disappointing the way they played at the end of that game and how they were turning the ball over but they really fought against a great team but I don't think we're going to learn a lot about what this team exactly is until you get to the middle of January and they play at Wisconsin they play home 
against Purdue on January 5th. And even Michigan State, even though they've had those early losses, when they play against teams like that in, in Big Ten play, then I think we're going to start to gauge kind of the true strengths of this team and whether or not they've turned the corner from the inconsistent bunch they've been in the last couple of seasons or, you know, if, if they're just the same team. So I think I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think that they're a top 15, top 10 top 20 team but I I do think that they're a solid tournament team but we'll have to see when conference play starts I feel like we're going to kind of figure out exactly where they are pretty quickly into the new year so Buckeyes first four Big Ten conference games road trip to Illinois home for Purdue road trip to Minnesota road trip to Wisconsin Ken Palm projects Ohio State to lose every single one of those games and if they do this is not a tournament team um and I mean, they've already kind of hurt their ability to generate any kind of goodwill. Like Providence and Connecticut are probably not going to make the tournament either. Those are, those are your best wins, along with a road game against Navy, who sucks. Illinois is not a world beater. They're probably not a tournament team either. And Minnesota struggled a lot. Like you need to be able to be below average Big Ten teams on the road. If you're able to do that, hey, you'll lose the Wisconsin game, probably lose Purdue too. But if you're able to go 500 in that stretch, uh, just win the games you need to win and then just steal one big game in, in, in the Big Ten. I think you're going to be okay. But if they're if they're one and three in that stretch, and then you know they they lose a, a a road game that they could have picked up, I don't think it's a tournament team. And then you know heading into mid January, there's some really difficult questions you have to ask. Like I know I've spent the last three years making fun of like that motto's got to go. Um, I'm slowly starting to come around that to the idea that I don't I'm not really confident in the direction Ohio State basketball is going. But those are those are those are panickings and discussions we can have a little bit later, I think. And that's probably going to be the theme for this team. Like you mentioned, it's going to be tough to win a game like at Wisconsin or even the Purdue game at home. But when you're playing these lower level Big Ten teams that have struggled and granted, Ohio State is they're in that boat, too. But if you want to make the tournament and get the program back on the right footing, you're going to have to win games at Illinois, at Minnesota, at Nebraska, and versus Northwestern. They, they can't go, like you're saying, one and three in those games or two and two in those games. That has to be either you're going three and one or you're going four and oh if you want to make the tournament. You're you're uh, you're you're, you're absolutely right. There are there are opportunities here to pick up some big wins. Maybe not as many as we thought earlier in the season, but you're getting cracks at Maryland. You're getting you get two cracks at Wisconsin. You get the the Indiana at home at the end of the year, and they're they're, they're beatable. But they're, that's going to be a big RPI boost. But this team has to shoot a little bit better. They need to be able to take care of the the basketball a little bit better and be consistent enough to to win some of these 60-40 type games. So we'll we'll be talking about that more. I think that's the big story here, and I'm going to have to sign off here in a little bit so I can go watch this Miami Beach Bowl. Do you have any other parting words of wisdom for these fine people before we let them go? Yeah, quick thoughts on Jerry Kill as Rutgers' new offensive coordinator. Uh, I have plenty of thoughts. Do you have some thoughts on this? Uh, yes, okay, I do. Okay, what are your thoughts? We'll, we'll talk about this very briefly because this actually, I, 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 I can get up for this. You know, I wonder if... Chris Ash saw Drew Maringer, who was a rising name in, in coaching circles, and now Tom Herman rehired him as the passing game coordinator at Texas. I wonder if he made this move to just kind of have stability instead of hiring another young up-and-comer, and if Rutgers has a good offense next year and that guy goes and takes another job. With Jerry Kill, he has somebody who's probably going to be stable in that job. I can't see any other schools, whether it's Division One or Division Two, taking a chance on him as a head coach given his health issues, even if he says that he's been seizure-free since he left coaching. So maybe from that standpoint, he thinks it'll be stable. It's somebody who's who's been 
been around for a really long time that he can trust and he can honestly just kind of leave the offensive side of things alone and just let him do his thing so I guess from that standpoint I I can see why he would do it just from like a pure making sense winning standpoint I think it's an absolutely horrible hire and sets their offense back to what probably maybe could have been a decent offense next year if they made another young hire or an up-and-coming hire so I think that it's not it didn't start off horribly for Chris Ash didn't start off great but I think this is a step in the wrong direction in a pretty big way I, I hate this hire and 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 here's why and I, I recognize that I I am have been a hater of, of the Jerry Kill era, um, but we, 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 can, we can look at, at and recognize that there were some legitimate accomplishments here in Minnesota. But number one, the identity that you want to establish at Rutgers is a with, with tempo and a power spread, similar to what Ohio State runs. That sure as hell is not what Jerry Kill has done. That was not Minnesota football. That wasn't what he was doing at Southern Illinois. There's there's a little bit of that at, at NIU, but you're 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 either asking somebody to come into a, a system where they're not as familiar, or you're changing your identity again after one year after you started to recruit to your old identity. That's a problem. So not really having the personnel that you need is is a problem. The fact that kills offenses in the Big Ten with slightly better players were not very good. Uh, and you're bringing in somebody who has severe health problems. And it's great that he's feeling better and he's lost some weight and, and, and the doctors are okay and everything. Like I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm very happy for him. Um, I would still be concerned. Uh, if, if you're making that that kind of an investment, it's great to bring in somebody who's got who has some experience and and has been a head coach before. I can't see this working out for Rutgers at all, and I feel substantially less optimistic about the Chris at Chris Ash era at Rutgers than I did before. This recruiting class is still okay, but there are, this, this is one of the worst offenses in the country, and. I don't know if it's going to get a whole lot better. So that's that's my hot take. Rutgers doing Rutgers things again. And I'm interested, to your point, of what they do if they switch back to the identity that Jerry Kill kind of had at Minnesota or if they try to mesh kind of what he does with that power spread. And I think that they have to because with what we saw at Purdue, Daryl Hazel was trying to run an offense, an old-school Big Ten Jim Trestle offense, but you weren't having Ohio State recruits come into that system. And even though the recruiting has picked up, a little bit they're still going to have to play in the east against defenses like ohio state against michigan i'm assuming that even if michigan state doesn't get back to a 10 win level they'll at least kind of level off and have another good defense next season and you add in the fact that penn state has really started to pick it up as well and if you're going to try to run that throwback 80s 90s offense i think that the chris ash era maybe it may be pretty short out in piscataway i uh, I'm, I'm i'm with you we'll, we'll we'll be watching that here over the next month or so to see how well they are able to um, to close this particular recruiting class. It was hanging out in the top 25 here for a while. Uh, it's starting to fall to tumble, and I I wouldn't be surprised if a few of their other top guys end up flipping. We got to get going now because I got to go watch Central Michigan play a bowl game in a baseball stadium and hopefully not get into a big fight. Everyone, thank you here for listening. We will be back in touch with you after Christmas uh, once I get back to the Maryland. Uh, where we can talk a little bit more. We'll be getting more into Ohio State's playoff game and some more bowl game Big Ten action and Ohio State basketball. Uh, You can follow the show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on our website. I encourage you to leave a comment, share with your friends. Uh, We're also still selling two T-shirts on our website. 
the we're in playoff shirt and the actually the spot was good Michigan shirt. I think there's like three more of those things left. If you hurry, I, I think uh, obviously we really appreciate everybody who's picked up one of those um, and we'll have more for you later. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. And go Bucks.